The days are getting shorter, and you can feel it in the air. Yes, it's that time of year. Pumpkin is finally back at Dunkin'. It's the cozy you've been craving all summer long, now in your cup at Dunkin'. Pick up all of your pumpkin favorites, like the signature pumpkin spice iced latte, or a pumpkin iced coffee, and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins. Sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season. Use the Dunkin' app for contactless ordering. America runs on Dunkin'. Okay. Welcome to Firescape, everybody. Hey, y'all. Uh, we are two dudes from Alabama, and then that's where you cut it off again because Hal is. Hal didn't text us back. Hal didn't call in. Hal didn't care about you. Hal didn't care about me. Mm-mm. Hal's just living living life in the UK right now. I don't think he's coming back. He's Brexited us. Bre- Brexited did. Brexited us. He Brexited. He's yeah. made his Brexit. What a punk. Uh, yeah, so that's it. It's over. Firescape's done. Last episode. Thank you for joining us in the last ever episode of the Firescape uh, yeah. to Edgar Montplazier. Boingo, boingo. What's up, guys? <laughs> uh, I knew that was coming and it still got me every time. Uh, Edgar is a fellow podcaster. That's correct. Uh, co-host of the Culture Kings podcast on the How Stuff Works Network. Yeah. AKA the Hey Sluts What's Up Hey Sluts What's Up Network. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Edgar is also an improv comedian. That's correct. And as of now, a writer, or is that something that we can't talk about? No, yeah, you can. I mean, we can okay. talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Here we go. Yeah, I'm a and the star of Sad Boy Edgar. Oh yeah, I mean, wow. the, the star. Credit, the credit crazy. list goes on. The crazy. credit list goes on. Way to too say long. star is truly insulting. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, I just do comedy. That's what I like to tell people. Is that I just do comedy, but then I get stuck because then like people think I do stand up mm-hmm. and they try to pressure me into telling them jokes. I'm like, no, I don't. Do Not stand bad. up. Like funny man, yeah. tell us a joke. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, nah, I just write it and someone else does it and gets a lot of credit for mm-hmm. my words. Uh, <laughs> so, what are you doing here in the Big Apple? I am writing on a sketch show for Francesca Ramsey. It's not necessarily picked up yet, which is it's a, a whole weird thing. Mm-hmm. We're writing the whole first season in hopes that Comedy Central picks it up. Um, and, like, so they hired me in. I've come in like midway through the writing room process. Uh, so like essentially they've been going since June and they all got like, I, don't, I think the showrunner like came up with a system where if you have all these writers, it's not a big room, like five writers, they kind of get like exhausted of like pitching. Like we pitch like two sketches mm-hmm. every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then write them for the rest of the week. So that's pretty exhausting. Like mm-hmm. I've only done it for two weeks and I'm already exhausted. But like, so I think she came up with this idea of like, Every now and then, I'm going to hire a writer for X amount of weeks to just come in and like be like fresh legs. Mm-hmm. I'm essentially the Andre Iguodala of this writer's room, okay. where I just come in, do my dirty work, and mm-hmm. then get out. But I don't know. I might. I still don't know how long I'm here for. Is yep. the weird part of it. But I've just been hired halfway through to come in and like write sketches. So you just got like a one way flight. I did. Booked it up here. Booked it up is, here. And you're just here. I am just here. It is very weird. I don't know when I'm going home. In the uh, Upper West Side. I live with my aunts okay, in the I Upper West say, Side. Okay, I was wondering what the choice for the Upper West Side yeah, was. Yeah, no, I did not choose yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> if I could, I would have chose where young people live. Yeah. Uh, I would the not choose where old Jewish men 
have bagels. Uh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. It's an old, old. Uh, I mean, you know, I like it. It's pleasant. There's some. There's some good restaurants there. It's very quiet. Yeah. It's yeah. Very quiet. The uh, Lincoln's, the Lincoln Broadway Square Dive. AMC yeah, movie theater is great. Yep. I just went there recently yeah. or yesterday to watch Mission Impossible uh, on Movie Pass. No, I was no. just saying because it still didn't work for anything. No, it doesn't work for anything. Yeah. I definitely don't think it works for AMC movie theaters because they just got their own version of it. It still works. It's just they this week I've noticed that they're like, all right, you can only go to like the four p.m. movie now. We ran out of money. Yeah. So I, I paid twenty three dollars to go see it. Wow. Uh, but it was worth it. It yeah. was worth it. it those good? recliner seats. Movie was fantastic. Yeah. But what got me was those recliner seats. Oh yeah. It's a great theater. We don't have it's anything really nice. like that in Los Angeles. Yeah. Wait, I like really? the in Los Angeles. There's not fancy movie theaters. They're fancy, but I've never like when I walked in there. and I was like, oh shit, these are all lazy boys, yeah. and I, it blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. The whole th- the whole thing, top to bottom, is you know they have like the little themes outside of the the theater oh, rooms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they like look like that, stuff. Looks very old felt school, very like old Hollywood, yeah. LA mm-hmm. to me. At least that's what they're. Uh, yeah, that's what they're going. For. It's like no. a very Art Deco, very yeah. like. The biggest theater we have is a theater called the ArcLight. And the I've only thing that's significant about it, and like a thing that like everyone always gets noted whenever you write a sketch about that theater and you try to like sell it to like the world, is that a guy intros the movie before mm-hmm. the movie starts, and I don't think that happens anywhere else. But it's, it happens in the arc. Like, like all, a real human being? Yeah, he comes yeah. up and he goes, hey guys, thank you for coming to see Mission Impossible Fallout. The movie is da-da-da-long. And then uh, if you have any questions, I'll be over here. And then he leaves. Yeah. But that's like specifically Arclight Theaters. And it's weird because whenever you try to joke about it, like, you know, if you go like do a show in Alabama, you'd be like, so that fucking guy who comes up and they're like, what are you talking about? There is no guy. There is no guy. No one would do that. That's crazy. (laughs) I think someone has come out and introed like when I've been to like a premiere of like a Star Wars movie or something, but not like, does he do an intro like this is kind of what this movie is about? He doesn't tell you what the movie is about. He just says the movie, the director couple of the stars and the length of it mm-hmm. this for every single movie like you could go at 1 15 p.m first you showing are, you are now watching sisterhood of the traveling pants correct it is <laughs> it is 122 <laughs> minutes long somehow yeah. uh, <laughs> starring um come on i can some pants a couple of Eric, actors from america, america ferrara yeah. uh what's the one who's like the most famous is it blake lively is she in that I get maybe. Man, yeah. I'm so upset myself that I don't know who's in Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Honestly, I wanted to say Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think Look, that's uh, that other movie. I think, yeah, I think you're thinking about <laughs> Crossroads. This is probably yeah, going to be... We, our <laughs> listeners don't give us a ton of feedback, but this is probably one where I feel like we, might we have a pretty probably sizable subsection of listeners that know a lot about that movie really? so oh, wow. we'll see i don't yeah. know i just have a feeling about it i don't I'm know i'm gonna bet that blake lively is in that movie please hit me up on twitter correct me uh you will be one of many yeah uh, <laughs> i can look it up but i'm not going to no, right now no, let's i don't just, care blake lively yeah, was in she lively. i think was nominated for best supporting actress i will not co-sign on that yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think she got a bafta uh, uh, definitely not co-signing <laughs> on any of yeah um so you but you are you so you have family here you grew up here or i did grow up here i did grow up here i was born here i left when i was 14 years old uh and uh yeah i've always wanted to live here i've like my dream has always been to like write on a show here and then like live that life 
But now living it, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is my dream anymore. Uh, It is incredibly lonely. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know. I think, here's how I've been explaining it. So you guys are from Alabama, right? So Mm -hmm. what age were you guys when you guys came out here? Uh, I moved up here a year and a half ago, so 27. 23 or 4? Okay. All right, for sure. So then... Did you already have like friends and stuff here? Or? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. You did too. Like, yeah. Well, my wife and I moved up together, and we had we okay. had a friend. So this yeah. doesn't count because you guys had someone to come with. Yeah. All right. So when I moved to LA when I was like twenty three, it was just me, right? Mm-hmm. And like I worked very, very hard to like establish a friend group and stuff like that. And it took years. Like for that first year that I lived in LA, I was like calling my my girlfriend at the time every day, being like, I don't want to do this. Like, kind of moved to Portland with you, all this stuff. Like, I wanted out. And then I did it. Like I, at some point, I got to it where I was like, I have friends. Mm-hmm. I have like a neighborhood bar. I have all these things. And then now I'm out here, and I'm like, shit. If I moved out here, I'd have to start all over again from oh, scratch. Yeah. Especially coming out by myself. Like you yeah. know, like you guys came up with your wives. Like you guys have a couple friends. Like you guys had a network to start with. Where if I came out here, I'd pretty much come with myself. I don't think there's any world in which Anna would be like, yeah, I'm moving to New York City with you. Uh, mm-hmm. So like. <laughs> I think that that would be very, very rough to do over again. Maybe being a big baby about it, but mm-hmm. I mean, my no, wife man. and I have like been, you know, we're we just we're about to reach five years here. Oh, congrats! Uh, man. Yeah, thanks. And we, uh, what was those first six months like? Horrible. Yeah, horrible, dude. The first year and a half, I, I mean, so Coulter was still in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. my friends were still in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and you know my. My wife was here, and we had a couple of friends. Yeah, right? um, and I—I I mean, I probably called someone from home daily. Yeah, and like only was listening to country records. Yeah, like yep. just I—I all I wanted to do, all I—I I was in New York City, living, you know, living in Harlem, working at this, you know, after uh, eight months or so, maybe. Uh, working at Matt Umanoff Guitars, which mm-hmm. is like this legendary guitar shop, I'm mm-hmm. like rubbing shoulders with like my heroes, mm-hmm. and like the only thing I could think about was like I just want to get back home. Yep, I want to sit on the porch. Yep, I'm drink a cold beer that didn't cost eighteen dollars. Absolutely, you know, like that was it. Uh, and I, it took me about two years maybe to get yeah. to where like I feel like I'm home. Yeah, in a way, you know. Yeah. Uh, but now we're starting that conversation of like, well, where are we gonna go next? And, and the idea, we've been talking about that a lot, the idea of, like, moving somewhere brand new yeah. and having to start over again. It's terrifying. It's like, I just don't know. I don't know if I could, like, I'm, I'm a, like, I'm a, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a relationship dude. Like, yeah. I like, mm-hmm. I like having my people mm-hmm. and, like, you know, yeah, so I, I yeah, I can't imagine moving yeah. somewhere like LA by yourself. I was by myself, man. Yeah. Truly by myself. And, yeah, like, I, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I'm not trying to trash on New York City. I in theory, this is great. Like, I'm pretty sure once I walk away from this and I go back home, I'll be like, man, it was so cool to like fucking do that yeah. and be that, like ride the train to work and all that shit. But the, it, what scares me is the idea of like starting over at zero again yeah. and like building those relationships, finding a neighborhood that I like. Cause yep. like that took so much time in LA. I did like three neighborhoods. I hated two of them. Uh, like, so like building that all back up again sounds rather difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, we moved up, you know, like I said, only a little bit over a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. and it still was like, even with Peter and like a couple of our other, my other like best friends are up here, our friend Marcus moved up here like kind of accidentally right after college. Oh, like wow. He kind of got like a, he and our other friend Henry 
um, directed this like spec commercial and they were like, we're just going to go like shop it around for like a week. They bought like a round trip ticket and then they just did not come back and they've been here ever since. Wow. (laughs) So they just kind of moved, lived on people's couches until they found the place. And I was like, that would, I don't think I could do that. That's that's like something I'm like, I think they literally for a time, Henry and Marcus, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for a time lived on cots in a boiler room. Oh, yes. That sounds awful, my man. That sounds awful. Like they, were, yeah, yeah. they were like in a in a boiler room in Bushwick. They had newsboy caps uh-huh. and like yeah, yeah. They, they lived in an orphanage. The for yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's still been hard. I mean, because we moved up here at a different time in life, but we had bought a house. Oh, we wow. had like all this, you know, like stuff, like a life, like house jobs and stuff. My wife decides to take this other job that was here. We move in three weeks. Sell our house. In three weeks? In three weeks. We didn't sell the house in three weeks. Okay, which was I was even like, more anno- I was like, like tell me about the stressful. Alabama housing market where dudes are just like, hey, I want this house tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cash. It was a, uh, I mean, we had, we bought a ha- the house in like a good, in like basically like buying a house in Austin. Okay. Like the, the area we live in is like the cool, the hip. like the cool. I've area. heard that yeah. like, cause I, I mean, you guys know, cause I also grew up in Texas. So like people mm-hmm. have this idea of the South, mm-hmm. but they don't know that like these towns that are like really close to colleges are fucking yeah. hip as yeah. hell. Yeah. Like they're very cool, like young epicenters where mm-hmm. like, it's not the Hicksville that people like to paint it out yeah. to be. Well, in, in Birmingham is, is kind of, it, it lucked out um, mm. in that like, you know, I mean, I would say starting probably in the, you know, probably the thirties through five, six years ago, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, from, I mean, it was a dead industrial town. Yeah. And then obviously in the sixties in the city of Birmingham, you had like the big white flight thing yep. and you had all of the yep. horrible racial stuff that was going on, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And so like downtown Birmingham, our whole lives was empty. I mean, yeah. quite literally. Offices empty wow. law offices um, and like places for those lawyers to go get lunch but wow. so the thing <laughs> birmingham like because you know through all of the you know the industrialization stuff dying and then all the horrible you know social uh, the like the race stuff that happened the, no one wanted to be down there so there was all of these like late 1800s factory buildings that are like what everyone in like brooklyn is trying to make their business yeah. look like is the entirety of downtown Birmingham. So then is that kind of like, you know, like this like whole, like what's kind of happening in Detroit where yeah. people are going yeah. in and they're it, buying like these big office spaces for very mm-hmm. little money and yes. then just like flipping them? Yes. I mean, you yeah, not for buy, little money anymore, but yeah. they, they were. Wow. Like, and yeah, then you now could it's, buy an entire city block, like industrial factory in Birmingham probably 10 years ago for under a million dollars. Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, crazy. So like yeah. now it's just this, it's kind of this like hip, it's right for the picking for like mm-hmm. a young hip person to like buy some building, turn it into some, you know, uh, I don't know what coffee shop or cocktail yeah. bar or whatever. Yeah. And people are doing it, which is, which is fun. Um, and now we've got like a new young hip mayor and like oh, wow. the dude's just like, he's killing it. Like really, really like stoking the fire that was kind of smoldering. This dude's mm-hmm. like uh, old Woodfin. We want him. Yep. Woodfin, if you're listening, come on our show, buddy. Um, yeah, it's, it, Birmingham. It, it is a really interesting place. We've, I've kind of found myself being uh, living in a place like New York. Me and Coulter are both this way a lot. Like trying to like be this more positive ambassador for 
for the Alabama South. and particularly mm-hmm. Birmingham. Just I mean, like, y'all don't have a very strong reputation with people. I'll, I'll give you guys that. Uh, no, I've, no. I mean, even when I was like, sat down, I was looking at that hat. I was like, oh, these dudes are from Alabama. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, I, I understand what you're saying. It's like, uh, it's like uh, I'm kind of uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, where I'm taking like, yeah. the whole. Well, state of Alabama and kind of throwing Birmingham in there with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's not like Birmingham didn't earn its, its reputation. Its reputation, yeah. oh, 100%. It, it certainly did, more yeah. than the rest of the state even. Yeah. Uh, it was the worst. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was some of the worst of that stuff. Um, it was called is, Birmingham. Yeah, for yeah. a reason. Um, yeah. But, but I do was, think that's what's making it nowadays, at least like maybe with our generation or maybe the generation right before us, um, that's making it a little more... It's it's an interesting place for mm-hmm. like to to uh, to kind of look at like race relations in the South mm. because you have to stare it right in the face absolutely in Birmingham Alabama you absolutely. cannot be ignorant of it you can't no. do it um, it's so ev- a lot I mean, of people try yeah but it's everywhere it's uh, and we I promise you. I want to hear the end of your story of how you got here because we completely left it in the Oh, dust. no, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you there. You sold your house in three, in three weeks? Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, not that, it's not that interesting. We just sold it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think that, like, I like that what you just said is because, uh, and I've talked about this a lot on the pod, uh, something that I hate about living living in a very liberal city is that people think that racism is done and can kind mm-hmm. of not look at it because mm-hmm. of all the quote unquote diversity and like liberalism and progressive uh, progressiveness around them yeah. versus like like you said in Birmingham you got to address it and talk about it cuz it's yeah. real like you know like there's it's, confederate state. like there's it's everywhere yeah it is it is yeah i mean you if you're walking in downtown birmingham you can't not i mean i guess some people do but it's hard to not be aware they're like oh Martin Luther King Jr. wrote the letter here. Yeah. Like, well, and the city does a good job of making everybody remember that because, yeah. like, every like thirty feet is like a plaque of like the Children's March mm-hmm. or like something yeah. like that, and like, well, yeah. you know, it's like it's a pretty like out there thing to like it, illustrate your your point. I was talking with this lady up here, and uh, this was like shortly after we moved, and was like, "Oh yeah, I'm from Birmingham," and she's like, "Oh really? What are like?" What are like race relations like there? And I was like, it, it was a white lady, of, of course. course. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was of course. Like, like, I live in Harlem right now. I'm I, I'm going to let you know something. They're not that great right here. Like, yeah. I'm just going to let you know. I'm just going to let you know. Like, not. people are upset here. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to let you know. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I've only been here for two weeks and I've seen some bullshit. Like, I've oh, seen yeah. some, like, white, pe- I don't know. Uh, when I came up here, I saw this thing on Twitter that made me so upset, but apparently there's just like, organization of white moms that are trying to get these people in brooklyn to take down this uh mural of biggie because they uh, think that it looks ugly from their like windows yeah. to look at and i'm just like that is it's one it's crazy that you're living in that neighborhood it's already crazy that you're living in that neighborhood so let's just start there like that, that's already but then two it's like if you're gonna move into a place if you're gonna move into a neighborhood you can't take down that neighborhood's culture. And what makes me so like upset about it is that if I moved into like Thai Town, I'm not going to sit there and say, hey, you know like all those like statues of your goddesses that you have? Because Thai Town, like, it's very, very much Thai. And, like, there's all these like statues to like, these like gods and stuff like that. I wouldn't take those down. And I don't think anyone would let me take those down. And it's because we respect Thai culture as Thai culture. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people respect black culture as an actual culture. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, well, it's, it's insanity. I mean, it's, you know, that's the thing that's I don't know. I mean, that's a lot of, I think, what 
the tensions in Harlem. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of what's going on is I think people feel like it's changing so fast that the folks who were like born and raised here are just getting left in the dust. Absolutely. You know, you know and they're not being considered in the changes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I, that's like, that's been a thing that like, I mean, we've talked about on the podcast here a good bit that like, I like, I guess re- regrettably, embarrassingly, used to be more on that side of like, uh, if I heard things like white privilege or if I heard things like, uh, you know, any of that mm-hmm. you know, more common terminology nowadays, mm-hmm. I would get a little defensive and just mm-hmm. be like, no, I'm, no, just because I'm white doesn't mean I did this or that. Yeah, or especially being from the South and knowing yeah, that, like, you and, like, of course, of course. Yeah, and I had that, like, pretty, pretty toxic knee jerk reaction to, like, defend being white or sure. something. Uh, and, and, uh, and and I'm proud to say that I've been like over the last few years, like really digging into why I felt the need to do mm-hmm. that and why it's a problem and how mm-hmm. to move forward from that stuff. And um, uh, the the point of that is just to say that like in living up here, I've been in, especially in the last few years, I've been paying a lot more attention to just the way people, particularly white folks, because I mean that's just that's what I am, and so mm-hmm. like that's where my that's where my scope is like talk about these things and like and after being asked that question by like you know new york white typically wealthy liberal people so condescendingly constantly talking about the racism in birmingham or assuming that i'm a racist because i'm from the south it almost never comes from black folks up here almost Mm. never because i've noticed this is an interesting thing if i'm like oh i'm from alabama people be like "Mm." and in harlem if i say that people be like Oh, cool! My uncle lives there. Yeah, because because that's where <laughs> that's time. where they're from. Yeah. Like that's where like time. we're just like yeah. I I fuck. I mean, we don't fuck with that area, but I know where you're from. Yeah, I have an uncle. Like that's like like you guys talk about like the Great Migration, all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. it, like black people came from there to come to cities like Harlem yep. or cities like Compton in California, and like yeah, one hundred percent. Like, uh, and our culture is still so rooted in that. But I think that like these rich white folks don't see at least out here in these coastal cities don't see what they're doing as like racist and stuff like that because they think they're improving on things yeah. mm-hmm. like they think that they're fixing these neighborhoods yeah. and making yeah. them better and they're like look i'm not gonna fault anybody for finding cheap rent like i'm yeah. never gonna I'm, like you know if you find a good spot somewhere take it the, the like i get that and maybe some people will disagree with me on that my problem is when you start to attack the culture yeah. and you start to be like i'm gonna remove things of this culture it's like Move into that neighborhood, but let that culture still exist. Like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. let them have well, their biggie murals. Let them have their Kennedy fried chicken. Like yeah. don't let them have a cat in their fucking bodega. Like it's yeah. it's their culture. Let it be. It's yeah, it's the an cat insane. hair is good protein. Huh? The cat hair is good protein. Good you gotta protein. get that in the sandwich. Man, I, yeah. that made me so mad when I saw that video that that woman complained about that. I was like, shut up. Dude, <laughs> it doesn't that, affect your life at a, all. There was a woman complaining about a bodega cat? Yeah, like, it was like a thing that like this woman was dude, like, it's unhealthy. My my wife is Arab and an insane cat lady. Like my wife and in you know, not not talking shit on Brandy. She's she loves cats. <laughs> loves cats. I don't think that she Arab. would take that as take is No, as she would she would <laughs> take it proudly. Yeah, totally. Um and so like when she, I mean, she, she follows bodega cats on mm-hmm. Instagram and like every whenever those things surface where like somebody's complaining about a bodega cat, she gets so mad because it's one, the Arab thing. Yeah. For two the cat thing probably more than anything the, the cat, cat thing, thing. Yeah. yeah and she's just like what are we talking about she was like are you kidding me like no. my, my old arab granny has like nine thousand cats in her backyard that she cooks for yeah and y'all are gonna complain about this little cat just sitting there by the chips what are we talking about 
It, and the chips are in a bag. That's sealed, <laughs> man. Wipe them off. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, move into whatever neighborhood you want to, but I don't even have to say But if you end up in those neighborhoods, you're in those neighborhoods, but like, yeah, disrespect the culture. Like, yeah. That's, yeah. I think it's too, I mean, like, it also, you know, the re- the reasonings behind, I mean, I th- obviously we're all very qualified to talk about all of these things, but the reasonings why, <laughs> well, in, in very yeah. different respects. Yeah. Uh, the reason we, we are, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's like the, why are you, are you moving in there because you want to like, you're buying something and you want to turn around and flip it. Are you mm-hmm. moving in there because you want to be a part of the place? Mm-hmm. Are you moving in there because you just can't afford to live anywhere else and yeah. you can barely afford to live there? Yeah. That Those are all different. Like those are three very different questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so I guess it's like a, I don't know. I just think people should have more like thought behind the decisions that they make. Absolutely. And it's like, also like, I'm not going to take away from the struggle that, Someone who just got out of college, because that's what most gentrifiers are, right? Like college mm-hmm. educated people, like post grads, you can't find a good place somewhere else. Like, I'm not going to erase that struggle. That struggle is 100% real. Mm-hmm. I know that struggle. I went through that struggle myself of being like, damn, I'm out of college and I can't afford to live anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you go and you find this very good place somewhere. That's fine. Like, I get that. But like you said, like, are you moving there to be a part of the culture? Are you moving mm-hmm. there to fuck shit up? And like, I think yeah. too many people are trying to be like, how do we get a Whole Foods in here? Don't. Yeah. Like, don't. <laughs> don't. Go to Fine Fate or Fine Fair, whatever it is. It's the same shit. Like, you just want mm-hmm. this same access. Thing. Same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, yeah, you, you see, you're talking redneck now. That's the same thing. It's yeah. the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. It is. That's it. It truly is, man. And you just want, like, this artisanal burger. Go take the train to go there. Like, mm-hmm. it, you don't have to change these neighborhoods mm-hmm. yeah. to make it fit your style of life. You know, change yeah. your style of life to fit those neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, it's true, dude. I've I, so like the right next, <laughs> right next to our apartment is this place called Watkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a you know, it's like a Caribbean like juice and like you know they sell like root juices and oh, okay. all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've I've decided recently, well, in the last like a little while, that I was like, I don't know anything about this stuff because we have like mm. a lot of like a lot of Rasta folks are selling stuff on mm-hmm. our street and. Uh, I've it's I've I've learned that they don't like me that much. Mm. Actually, I don't know if they don't like me, or, but they will not talk to me. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and investigate what. First of all, I want to know what they're selling. I don't mm-hmm. know what all these roots and things are. Mm-hmm. So I started going to Watkins, and I finally have like broken in a little bit. They're letting me. They're letting me peek behind the curtain a little bit on mm-hmm. the, on the root juices and the licorice. Uh, it's a little, the teeth cleaning thing. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there, dude. I'm learning some stuff. Dude, good old Watkins is the bomb. Well, because you invested, man. Like, the you bomb. know, like, I don't think, like, if you went in there one time and then asked them all this stuff, I think to them, they're just like, well, we don't know what you're going to do with that information. Yeah. But you kept going back. You kept spending money. And I get it. Maybe you're just like, oh, I have to spend money. Yeah. Like, this is their <laughs> job. This yeah. is what they do for a livelihood. Like, so, like, you went and you invested in them. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we can, yeah. like, tell you about things because we can tell that you care about this like you're not just coming through and yeah just well like, and it just you know it, i think it's it's true for everybody in the world i believe that like if you go to some country store out in the middle of coleman alabama mm-hmm. or if you go into like you know a, a caribbean like juice joint in harlem it's all it, it is the same thing mm-hmm. as far as same thing their man. number one thing is like well, i just don't know who you are yeah and if you want to know who we are, like that's a there's a there's a two way road that has to be opened Absolutely. up. Absolutely. 
And like, I'm not just gonna like, I'm just gonna start telling you everything about my life. No, I don't know who you are. No. And you know, it's 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 a funny thing to when you start to kind of piece together the world a little bit and realize it. Like, and these, you know, my man at Watkins and old Jim Bob down at the tomato stand and Coleman, mm-hmm. same guy, same guy, they're same dude, same like, guy. It's yeah. just like. You know, and they're both invested in their communities in the same way. Yeah. Because where you're from in Alabama, you were already a part of that community, so yeah. it was a lot easier have, for you I to have start the right there. Access, yeah. yeah, but like now, you're like, I'm trying to acclimate myself to this community, and there's different ways to do that. And I yeah. think spending money is a way, uh, like helping grow things that are already there is a way. Like you know what I mean? Like that's like invest. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. It's like treat them as the same communities and invest in them, and then yeah. Is is LA have as much? Uh as much of because it's a big topic in new york obviously. gentrification yeah like, uh is it yo it's it's a big topic in yeah. la it's a big big topic in la i think that ours isn't as culturally diverse as yours though if that makes right. sense mm-hmm. we're like i think here it's like caribbean neighborhoods and mm-hmm. arab neighborhoods are like a, a, a dominican neighborhoods whereas ours is pretty much mexican neighborhoods like uh, it, yeah. to make it very broad and they are I and mean, then there's also like the black neighborhoods that are being gentrified as well, but it's not as culturally diverse here. Where like you're telling yeah. like you're moving it like you're living in a very Caribbean neighborhood or mm-hmm. something like that. Like that's what's so fascinating about the gentrification thing here is that this city used to be all these little blocks of these different cultures, and now oh, yeah. they're just being mm-hmm. blanketed rich white kids. And like in LA, I think it's mostly two very dominant cultures yeah. that are being wiped out mm-hmm. and be not wiped out, but being pushed further and yeah. further. Like, my uncle lives in New Jersey now, which is weird because he used to live in the Bronx, but now mm-hmm. he lives in New Jersey. And I yeah. think that's happening with more and more people of color where they're, like, being pushed into, like, yeah, the suburbs. Yeah, you can see it with, like, Chinatown. Like, I just was driving around Queens the other day and stumbled upon, like, a more giant version of Chinatown out in Queens. Like, mm. deep out in, yeah. I guess, like, close to East Elmhurst or something. And I was like, this is weird. Like... Yeah, they're being pushed out. Yeah, she's like, this is very strange. Th- yeah. This is all out here. Uh, and not, like, in the Lower East Side. But mm-hmm. that's weird. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's a... And New York's just a weird place in general because I feel like it's growing at such a pace. And, like, it just, just like, geographically, I'm like, we're, we're running... It, it's running out, guys. Like, yeah, it's, it's running, running out. out. It's running yeah. out of space. Like, yeah. I don't know how many people... People are like, man, the subways don't work. I'm like, well, 27 million people live here. So, like, I don't really know. Like, what do you expect? Like, yeah. what are we dealing with? Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of, like, curious to know, like, what at what point in time does the infrastructure need to be just, like, completely changed? And I don't know how that works. Mm. I don't either. I don't know either. I don't either. Yeah, I mean, the subway thing. Uh, well, I, who knows? Who knows? It's impossible to it know, It don't man. work good. That's, so. That's Hey, it works 14. great in comparison to uh, 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 almost uh, anywhere else, <laughs> Los Angeles. Like, yeah. I think in America at least. Wow, that mm-hmm. like I've been riding and I'm like, this is fucking great. <laughs> I don't even hear about the subway, LA. It's terrible. It's thing. absolutely awful. Yeah. I've uh, taken it one time, and that was from uh, I don't know where we parked, but anyway, for some reason, when we went out to the national championship game that Alabama played in in 2009, mm-hmm. we stayed like way out. So we stayed in like Carlsbad. Oh, wow. Because uh, the hotels were cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> we rented a car, drove up, parked it at some like parking lot, and then rode a, 
rode the train as close to Pasadena as we could get because it was mm-hmm. at the Rose Bowl, and then we just like walked four miles. Yeah, like they just didn't have stops yep. anywhere. Nope. Like nope. it doesn't really go to anywhere you need it to nope. go to. That's that. Never the seen life. it. Is you take it and then you walk the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I feel like there's. It's like oh, this one only gets us uh, like a mile away. That's good. Yep, you're very thankful for that. Versus here, mm-hmm. I took one train, one stop, and I was like three minutes away from here yep yeah and you're like man there's like there's every you know you can get on a local train and basically get off every like four blocks yep yeah. which isn't which is pretty nuts pretty that nuts it, uh, that it works that way so you moved from here when you were 14 yes to texas that's correct what was that like Wait, where, off, that? where yeah. in texas do you go? board of mexico oh yeah we're talking the about down. the front lines yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> Uh man, it was it was rough, man. It was truly rough because like I grew up in a very Caribbean epicenter, very Haitian, like you know, life. All my friends were Haitian. Everyone around me was Haitian, mostly. If they weren't, they were just other Black Americans. So to go from that to going to the border of Mexico and being the first Black person that some of my friends had ever seen in their lives was truly a wild experience. Like it really blew my mind, mm-hmm. and I think. No, it didn't fuck me up, but, like, I think it's given me a lot of different perspectives on a lot of things, and I was very upset at my mom for doing it, but, Mm -hmm. like, I still think about what my life would have been like if I hadn't stayed here, but I don't know. Do you think you would have left? That's what I'm thinking. I don't think I would have, and I don't think that that would be good for me. Mm -hmm. I I wonder, I mean, mean, obviously it it has, because there's no way that it it couldn't, Um, Mm -hmm. but do you think moving somewhere like that like i assume a smaller town no very small yeah hundred thousand uh, people hundred thousand mm-hmm. yeah oh boy um do you think how how did that affect you because you're a comedy writer and you yeah. do you, you perform improv as well that's correct um how like i said obviously it affected your comedy and your but how did it do that do you think okay so i'll tell you what it did i instantly became one of the funniest people at my school. Uh, and I have a lot of theories as to why. Uh, I think a lot of it was like, you know, like uh, uh, fetishization of people being like, well, this black guy's going to be hilarious. So it like, put like sure. a lot of pressure on me to do that. Yeah. But I don't think I would have been that way if I stayed in New York. In New York, I was a lot more quieter. And I was a lot, like, when I'm around bigger personalities, I tend to mute myself and get very, very quiet. Mm. And I think by moving to Texas, I instantly became... Mm-hmm. a big personality to people because yeah. that's what they expected from me. So I think that that's how it affected my comedy is that I was forced to perform yeah. all the time. Like on our school bus, my 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 brother and my cousin and I would just do bits from Wild and Out to like entertain the other kids on the bus and yeah. they would go wild and be like, oh, this is funny. And I was like, we're just saying shit that we heard yesterday <laughs> on MTV. Like we didn't write this. <laughs> but like we were like always performing and anytime they had like a something at the school they want to do, they're like, oh, Edgar's Jonathan Sebastian have to do it. So I think like that really pushed me out of my comfort zone because when I was here, man, I was a really quiet kid. Yeah. I didn't talk. Most people thought that I was uh, mentally challenged because uh, I didn't talk at all. I was very shy. I was clutching onto my mom up until like I was like 12. Uh, so then like I think by moving out there, it forced me out of my comfort zone in a way that yeah, made me sure. be like, because I always knew I wanted to write when I was a kid. Like I would always write in the back of my notebooks. I wanted to be like an author. Mm-hmm. That was my dream was to like write little books and stuff. But then... As I like 
was in Texas and I was performing like all the time and getting involved in all of these things, I was like, oh, like I want to do something that's a lot more performative. And then that kind of led me to comedy writing. And I never knew that that could be a job until I went to the high school that I went to yeah. in Texas. It was called IDEA, which is Individuals Dedicated to Excellence and Achievement. It's like one of those... Uh, Sounds like a pretty hip schools. high school. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, those schools that uh, everyone's been arguing about Charter lately. school. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. It was one of those. Uh, the rules were to get your high school diploma, you had to be accepted to a four-year college or university. Like, well, they wouldn't give you a high school diploma if you didn't get accepted into a four-year. Okay. And it was, like, in a very low-income uh, community because Hidalgo County is one of the poorest counties in America. So, like, it was all about getting these kids whose parents probably didn't go to college or something mm-hmm. like that, to be first-generation college students. Like, yeah. that was, like, their big, big mission. So by doing that, it opened my mind up to, like, a variety of schools. And then that's when I learned that you could have a degree in film and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. Like, yeah. So I think in that aspect, if I went here, like, if I went to school out here, I don't think I would have ever learned about something like that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would have been like, ah, oh, I'd go to City College and... Get a mm-hmm. nursing degree or get an engineering degree. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have learned about the variety of degrees in the way that I did by going to, like, you know, idea and then, like, always performing. And, like, it introduced me to, like, a variety of things where I was like, oh, you can go to school to do this? That's very cool. Yeah, especially coming, I feel like coming up in a very, like, um, a more homogenous, like, immigrant community. Absolutely. Of, like, uh, I feel like you, you said nursing and engineering because I feel like yeah. that's, like, something that, like, you know, it's like the immigrant parent story. I'm like, these are your options. Well, you those are my only things. options. That's, yes. that's yeah. the Jeannie Yashere joke, right? That yeah. she always says is like, you can be an engineer, you can be a doctor. or Because what was the engineer, doctor, and something else? But she always gives that bit. She was like, yeah, for a, for a Nigerian kid, mm-hmm. those are your options. Like yep. your parents, they these are the things you get to do. Yep. 100% and, that's know. what my parents were like. Yeah. Uh, and like I think that like yeah everyone like you said it would be so homogenous that everyone around me would be doing that mm-hmm. that to like when I meet my friends now like you know like I I met some of them two weeks ago and they were like oh yeah I'm an engineering or I'm in, I'm like a nurse I'm doing this I'm like oh what do you want to do it's like oh, I want to do like music or I want to like write and stuff I'm like oh why don't she's like you can't do that as a job I'm like mm-hmm. what that's crazy <laughs> you definitely can that's why I'm here like I you can definitely do it as a job so I don't think yeah I don't think I would have had the mm-hmm. access that I had yeah. going out there. Yeah. How- Which is interesting to think about going to like a town of a hundred thousand people on yeah. the border of Mexico. Yeah. And thinking like that gave me access in a, or just like opened your mind in a way that a p- being in a place where all of that is going on. Yeah. Next door to these, to people who are just unaware of it. Absolutely. But it's like, who's doing them out there? Yeah. yeah. That's the question. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I think was, I think I shouldn't say McAllen, Texas. I should say idea. Yeah, ideas were they gave mm-hmm. it to me, right? Because there were kids that went to like Mac High, yeah, that and stuff like, like yeah, that nope. didn't get any mm-hmm. of that, right? But like, I think that like out here, because someone asked me, they're just like, if you, because I do UCB, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar right. with UCB. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys go to UCB shows out here. I've I've been to one. How was it? Was it good, dude? It, I I I stand behind. It was probably in our first year or two of being mm-hmm. here, and I think. It still was one of my most like fond memories of being in New York. Oh wow! We went to the. We were broke, had zero money, had a friend in town. They like did a bunch of research about free stuff that we. Oh, could so do. you guys went to ask? We like yeah, the the later one. Yeah, on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, it was great, dude. Uh, what's his name from Thirty Rock? Jack McBrayer. Uh, yes, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was yeah, it was a blast. Ask Cat was, was very fun. Um, 
Yeah, that's what same thing I did when I moved to LA is we'd go to ask it's on Sundays in LA. Yeah. And you like stand in line. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah. We yeah. do that every Sunday because we were broke as well. We'd be like, this is our only way that we're gonna get entertained. Yeah. But um someone asked me if I thought I would do U C B in New York if I had stayed here. And I think the answer is one hundred percent no. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it would have seemed like such a white thing to me. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like being in like a community where no one's doing that. I can't imagine going up to my parents and being like, Hey, I wanna do these like yeah. comedy classes and my parents being like, What? No, why? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. why would we ever let you why would we how much is it? Oh, it's like four hundred fifty dollars. No, definitely not. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like I don't think I would have ended up doing it. Versus going to idea, going to a school in Northern California where it was offered to me for free and learning about it and then getting the gumption to be like, I'm gonna move to LA to do something like yeah. that. I think that, that was clear steps led to that versus yeah i don't think i would have ever done it in new york do you think that that like the association with ucb being like uh like a a wider thing Mm -hmm. versus maybe something like stand-up stand-up is considered so yeah stand-up is a black thing okay i was gonna say it's everything but like black people are more interested in that i think then i feel like the the list of like greats Mm -hmm. like the, the the greatest of all time like are, are going to tend, to, in my mind at least, are going to be the Richard Pryors and yeah. the Dave Chappelle's and the Chris Rocks. Chris and, Rocks, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. Here's what it is. It's the same thing that I think about with, uh, and I hope this answers your question. It's the same thing I think about with like, why do black people play basketball more than they play hockey? Yeah. Uh, what do you need to play basketball? Uh, A ball. Not yeah, not much. That's it. Yeah. Well, what do you need to play hockey? A ton of equipment. A ton of equipment. So we're yeah. talking about capital, right? We're yeah. talking about money, mm-hmm. yep. and I think that has a lot to do with it. Where what do you need to start doing stand up? Just a pen and a paper, and you yeah. go out and you do it. Totally. What do you need to start doing improv? Uh, four different classes, yeah. <laughs> like four That's levels of classes that are four hundred and fifty bucks each. Yeah, other well, people that, that was, want to do it. Yeah, like, yeah. there's well, so much thing. more things. Yeah, that's why I was asking because I don't know. I, I've just recently, um, like maybe in the last year, been mm-hmm. like kind of opening myself up to the comedy world and mm-hmm. we've been going to the cellar a lot and just oh, hell yeah. trying to get into that whole thing not like performing but just but just like checking it out and yeah, being yeah. a fan of it uh, hey, I, I appreciate that yeah I, <laughs> I love it but I know nothing about the stand only I went to UCB the one time or, mm-hmm. I'm sorry the improv world mm-hmm. uh, which is why I asked the question because I'm like my only perspective on the comedy world has been really particularly the cellar mm-hmm. and like the fat black pussycat and, mm-hmm. and it's and so I was, I was that was interesting to hear that the UCB world, or I guess the more the just the improv thing, is that the, those two different brands of comedy could be so polarized culturally that way. Absolutely, I'm just, I'm just not aware of that. Absolutely, and like I mean, it, they're trying to fix it, right? Like I'm a product of them trying to fix it, where I've never paid for a class in my mm-hmm. life because uh, I was on a diversity scholarship, and then they gave me the internship and all that stuff. It, yeah, I, I listened uh, to one of y'all's episodes about that where i think you you addressed like a, a white lady had like emailed in or something about that oh, she didn't get oh yeah yeah, yeah. Cause she thing. she uh she thought that she deserved to be in the diversity thing she because was a, she was a redhead <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i remember that uh i mean of course i remember that sorry i, I said it you, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> no they didn't hurt me at all yeah, yeah that was fucking wild uh yeah what is? Well, I'm not even gonna say. It. Why would I say her name, Edgar? What do you think? I was like, what was her name again? I was about to say. It. Yeah. Uh, I definitely know it. It's uh, yeah, that was a crazy. <laughs> but yeah, in in LA there is, or in New York too, the UCB does have a, a scholarship program 
that uh, uh, I think the only rules, which is how she was able to apply in the first place, the only rule is that you can't be a straight white male. Yeah, that's it. That's the only. That's the only guy. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's more guidelines, but that's like the yeah de facto <laughs> or not de facto. Oh yeah, de facto one that everyone talks about is like you can't be a straight white male. So yeah. as long as you're not that, you can apply for the diversity scholarship. Uh, but I think that like it's even you can be a straight white male, but like if you're not able bodied like you know, there's more yeah. mm-hmm. there's more elements to it. But, He's like, got two thumbs and fits that criteria. Yeah, yeah exactly. As long as you're able bodied yeah. and that's the thing is like I think her stupidity did bring up a very interesting conversation uh, to get derailed a little bit about like, you know, well there are like, you know, like other kinds of diversities that sure. we don't think about, like mm-hmm. with like bisexual men or or you know uh, a disabled like there's a guy with like cerebral palsy like you know there's there's these other diversities that we don't think about because every time sure. we think about diversity we're strictly thinking about not even race like let's, we think about black and white yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, not even race I've taken a lot of video you know like in doing work for like direct to client stuff in Birmingham and here anytime someone says we want to make sure that it's like a diverse like campaign that means like, like okay we need to get two black dudes in yep. the picture uh-huh. yeah that's what yeah, you like, mean like I know what you mean. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, so weird. Just say it. We were right. We were trying. We've been trying to write a sketch about that. We haven't been able to crack it, but we've been trying to write a sketch about that. About mm-hmm. how weird it is. About whenever you say diversity, you just mean black people. It's very, yeah. Uh, yeah it's hard to. That's a whole other conversation, but yeah. um, because of what it takes for us to write a sketch and how it has to be portrayed, it's been hard for us to do it. Because yeah. Francesca, ah, I'm not even going to get into it. But it's very hard to write a sketch like that from a black perspective. If that makes sense, y- yeah, yeah. Sure. Like I feel like if we were SNL, we could have a lot easier time doing it because there's so many white people. Mm-hmm. But because the show is based around a black woman, it's hard for us to tackle that topic. Is, yeah, is the majority of your writers' room that you're working in now uh, people of color? No, no. It's pretty evenly split. It's yeah. a very diverse room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess Actually, technically it is majority. There is three black people, but then there's. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I don't know that's, that's what probably, everyone else's ethnicities are. That's probably a pretty good answer. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. But yeah, yeah it's pretty diverse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. There's someone in there where I'm like, are you Hispanic? I can't tell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, there are three black people. I am the only black male. There's a two black women, which is crazy. That's a lot. And there's yeah. only like six of us. Um, so I guess that is majority if it's like three of us and then yeah yeah um, got completely derailed oh yes improv white so I think you have to think about like where improv like comes from in terms of like access and like you know it's a very I mean one it's rooted in theater which Mm -hmm. again theater isn't white per se but like what we consider high theater can be right sure yeah. uh and then like it also i think is very much so associated with college mm-hmm. and like it's like things that white dudes mostly do in college and then they go on and then they get into ucb and stuff like that and like i think when we think about that that access part of it is what makes it such a white yeah. space and you know what i found very difficult in being a black person who performs improv is trying to get black people on board, trying mm-hmm. to get black audiences on board. Because the thing about improv is you kind of have to understand it to enjoy it as a fan, Yeah, which is very difficult. 
to get an audience that's never seen it or heard about it on mm-hmm. board. So I think that that is another element to it. Where versus stand up, you don't even know how stand up works to watch stand up. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you just laugh. You just laugh. Yeah. yeah. But for improv, like there's this thing called an edit where you end a scene. If someone doesn't understand what that is, so well, like an audience that doesn't get it, they're watching and being like, "Why did that guy just run across the stage? Yeah. What is that?" And then what's this? This isn't what they were talking about now. Like, there's all these things, which is why improv can be so inside baseball at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you need to understand. There, you don't have to fully understand it to watch it. But I do think that there has to be this base knowledge of it. So right now, I feel like people like Carl Tart, people like Jaquiz, people like Lacey Mosley are, like, working really hard to educate an entire group of black sure, people to yeah. understand it. But it's like... It's a slow curve that we're going to have to get to where I don't think a lot of white audiences have to struggle with that because yeah, well that was so that it to to UCB's credit, mm-hmm. the, you know, that was the one time I'd ever seen it. Um yeah. and didn't I still don't know anything about it really. Um but I think that because there was definitely moments where I was kind of confused, but there was definitely uh, I think because they were doing it at such a high caliber and they were so good at it. Mm-hmm. That it was just like okay, some of these things are just I don't have to really understand. It's just no. funny. Like I, I, it's just funny to me. And the thing about ASCAT is that it does this form called the Armando, which is like very easy for audiences to digest because it's literally scenes based off of something that you just heard someone said. Yeah. Like they invite this monologist and he comes on, or they come on and they tell stories. And then you see scenes based off of that. Sure, so, like, yeah. for an audience, you're just like, oh, I remember this. This is what that guy was just saying. So that's very easy to, like, digest. But, like, when yeah. you think about, like, the form, like, a Herald, which is, like, UCB's, like, staple form. It's this very complex thing. It's just, like, I don't invite my black friends in town to, like, come see it. Because I'm just, like, Ugh. I have to, like, explain it to you. Like, they're, mm-hmm. like, wait, why did that scene go away and then come back later? And then, but it was like a little bit different. It's like all these things that you have to like sure. kind of explain. So that's why I can tend to get very inside baseball uh, and like all the host of inside baseball, very white. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like, cause I, and I imagine too, it's like the, even just like the slice of population, like broadly in the country, like white insane, people include, just like don't, yeah. Like I, you know, I was in theater in high school. I did some improv. I've never seen a good improv show. Like I've never gone and seen one. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would like to. Sure, I mean, I yeah. just and then it's not that's not me saying I've seen a lot of shows and they've all been bad. I'm saying I I've only ever seen me and my friends do it. Yeah. In like <laughs> 11th grade but you'd yeah. still at a high school in Alabama. Yeah. yeah, so it's like <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean like and I would get it, but like you know, and I'm someone who did theater in high school, and yeah. like how many people? It just seems like such a exactly everybody understands what stand up comedy is. Improv is like so. It's like every I don't know, like you. It's such a, a niche thing, Absolutely. and it's like a niche like white people in you know liberal arts theater college. Yes, so it's yeah. like it's a niche of a niche of like a niche the smallest yeah. thing. It's so yeah. It's it's a. Uh... But it leads to, like, people know who these people are. Of like, course. Everybody like, knows who Amy Poehler is. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. It's like, whenever I'm like, oh, I perform at UCB, and everyone's like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, oh, Amy Poehler. Oh, I know Amy Poehler. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it does lead to big things, but it's, like, hard for people to connect those dots, I think. Yeah. Or people think it's, like, the same as sketch or something. Yes. Like, I think I was like, oh, yeah, it's like, that's the same thing, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it's not. And people are like, no, it's not the same thing. I'm like, okay, so, cool. I mean, it's like live sketch, essentially, but, yeah. like, yeah. Or, like, impromptu sketch i should say yeah 
not not pre-scripted. Yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like I said, I, I, that was a that was a, a dividing line that I just wasn't really aware of. Yeah, I um, think it's just access. It's just purely yeah. access, and we're trying yeah, our makes- hardest to change it. But then, even even on how we're changing it, I still think that still, like, I was very rare where there wasn't ever not a black person in my class. Mm-hmm. But I think that I had a lot easier time than a couple of the other black people in my class because of who I am and how I speak. Like, of course, we, we get into this, like, no one sounds white or whatever. But there is a truth to that. I can more freely exist in certain white spaces because of how I was educated and mm-hmm. kind of things that I'm into. Where mm-hmm. other black people who don't necessarily have that knowledge, like I always use my friend Kevin Chestnut as an example, where like him and I we would fit into UCB very differently where like, you know, like Kevin is like very much so doesn't think certain thing. Like, I don't think Kevin would think uh, 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 kids in the hall is very funny. Like, I think mm-hmm. he'd be like, this is stupid. Yeah. But like Kevin loves booty videos on the internet. He thinks booty videos on the internet are so funny. I don't yeah. think Kevin could successfully walk into UCB and be like, yo, I want to do this sketch about booty videos <laughs> and then like have that room be like, yeah, we're like into that. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like if I pitch like, oh, I want to do like this sketch where like this guy keeps doing something with Star Wars and everyone's like, oh yeah, I was super into that. So yeah. like I think that because of that, the black people that we're even allowing in still are a very certain kind of black people who can speak both languages, if that sure. makes sense. Like into yeah. a specific type of... Like, know, yeah. of music mm-hmm. of like th- like it's so crazy that like I, I don't think UCB will like ever really like get to like a strong diversity point until like a hood nigga can like crip walk across that stage <laughs> like that's like and then yeah. everyone like yeah like you know and maybe that's crazy for me to say but like I think that that's like we're, we, we're not even talking about like the kind of like erasure of culture that yeah. A person of color has to do to mm-hmm. fit into those spaces. Yeah, Are you saying it's 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 even bigger. It's it's more cultural than it is even just the optics of skin color. Absolutely, yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. Because like I can succeed at UCB, but like I've had to like learn whiteness and get really yeah. good at presenting whiteness to succeed at UCB. And that's like a conversation that some people don't even want to have. Yeah, because it's like, what does that mean? Like people like, and it's like, no, we got we can talk about it. Like I. I, I, like when I was like going through UCB I wasn't doing my own references I wasn't yeah. doing until I got onto like a team like Arcade Currency or like Carl got on a team like White Woman where we could like you know these are all black teams where we could like be ourselves and do things like that but like to succeed through the classes it's difficult to yeah. like 100% be yourself in the way that a white kid could because sure. his culture is accepted as norm mm-hmm. yeah see that's the yeah, lowest I mean, common I, denominator of the of the like whole operation is like the kind of weird weird white kid yes. like culture absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, see, those, those are things that like i don't know i'm, I'm i don't misunderstand i'm not saying i'm happy to hear that I'm, but i'm, I'm please happy be happy to, to hear it please well, be but happy i'm to happy hear to hear it. you t- i'm happy that we're talking about this stuff because yeah. these are things that aren't in my brain i, yeah. I don't I, I don't consider that side of uh i guess like that there is that it is deeper than just whether or not there is a person of color in the room. Mm-hmm. That it goes deeper than that to a point where it's the culture also, it, it, the culture almost is is cuts deeper than uh, than just looking at it and saying, yeah. like, "Oh, look, there's some black people, there's some white people, there's some Indian people, there's whatever." 
that there is like a, a level of like you know of I guess whiteness that still has to be achieved or, or something. Yeah, it's, it, it's just things that yeah, or that you just have to be familiar with and like grown up yeah. accustomed to or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, to like, be able to like hang right, like yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's like. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, I I would just compare it to like if you guys like were married to someone who wasn't from Alabama, and they go back home with you guys, mm-hmm. they're gonna be like left out of a lot of conversations. Sure. If like you guys are talking about like this thing and this, oh, this restaurant over here, and they're gonna kind of be like, Ugh. and I yeah. I think that that is what a lot of people of color feel like when they join UCB and stuff like that, where like to get good at it would be like that part in like very bad movies where the wife's like I'm gonna learn everything about Alabama before I go to Alabama and then they go and they start saying all these things everyone's like oh I'm so impressed like that's what you kind of have to do to survive in a lot of these spaces be like I need to be good at my culture and your culture yeah like well that's yeah I mean it's the yeah I mean the tiniest little window into that was like my wife's family other than her grandmother were all they're the Arab Mm-hmm. but raised in Alabama. So mm-hmm. like their country Arabs. Mm-hmm. Um but when I first showed up there, I I they all were cool. Her grandmother did not like me cuz she mm-hmm. wanted her granddaughter to be married to a, an Arab boy from of her course. church and that sort of thing. Absolutely. So I learned Arabic and uh and it was like a it was a, a crazy weird thing. And it's not the same thing. It's, it's, not even it's co- similar though. It's, it's very it's, similar. Well, it's, it's, I'd say they're adjacent. adjacent. Yeah. yeah. Um it's it's not the same deal at all because it was a very a, a very tiny microcosm that yeah. I was trying to be involved in because yeah. I liked this girl. Of course. Um, and, but if you like went to it, like the country that she's from yeah. and like tried to hang with them, I think that that's like a very oh. similar experience. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's just, it's, it's funny, man. I, that's the thing. I mean, me and Coulter talk about this a lot as like, I don't know, just like being white dudes from Alabama, I think, which probably has something to do with it as well. That there's just all these blind spots that exist, and mm-hmm. that it's also starting to work the other way, like with all the Trump stuff. That I'm like, okay, I had all of these blind spots that, like, I look back on, I'm like, man, that that bums me out that I felt that way or thought that way or had these certain knee jerk reactions to certain things that I'm like trying to work through. Um, that like, that now I see, you know, these crazy people, racist people, all these people mm-hmm. doing these horrible things. Mm-hmm in the name of like Trump or in the name of whatever, the, whatever mm. it is. And, and I'm starting to be like, you know what? There, there is, there are so many blind spots, so many blind spots that I still have that mm-hmm. like, I, I'm, I mean, this being one, like, you know, the, my, my mirror just got kicked out a little bit further. Just hearing you talk about that. Mm-hmm. Just be like, Oh, that's a, that's a thing mm-hmm. that I just would have never really thought about. Yeah. Um, and then it extends to other people being like, man, so many of the things that I'm looking at folks doing that really bum me out, that like gross me out, that really anger me. I'm like, I don't know how many of those things are just blind spots. These people like, not that they're not hurtful and not that they're not very yeah. important to fix very quickly. It's just like, but five years ago, I didn't think that far differently. Yeah. Or like there, yeah. I had yeah. some like thoughts. I, I, I could have thing. been tricked into doing some of this probably yeah that's how i feel about uh uh gay people is like i try to sit here and act holier than thou about like some of these like real bigots like you know people like i'm not making a cake for that couple yeah but then i look at some of the stuff that people say like uh what's that dude's name uh josh nader is that his name the baseball player who Uh, all his tweets got wrecked something like that yeah yeah but then i looked at some of his tweets and I was like, when he was seventeen, and, and I was, was like, real like, talk. Oh, man. When I was seventeen years old, and if I had a Twitter, 
would I not tweet something like that? Like, I have to ask myself yeah. that. And, like, that's why I think it's so important, Peter. I think, like, what you're saying is really true of, like, and I, I really want to commend you for it, is, like, looking in your own bowl and, like, man, like, this is all I can focus on. Like, yeah. this is all I, because once you get into, like, that whole, and I've talked about how much I fucking despise the word woke. I think the yeah. word woke is so fucking stupid. Uh, and I get very upset and I have this very nasty tone in my voice when I say it. Because woke, it's a fucking dumb word. Uh, uh, it really is. It's yeah. truly stupid. It's because it implies that, like, once we get into this whole woker than thou competition, yeah. we close ourselves off to learning I, about those new it. blind spots. I made it. Yeah. yeah. And we close ourselves off to, like you said, kicking. I like that kicking the window out a little or the mirror a little bit out further right yeah. like, oh shit i didn't even notice that yeah that car wasn't like and then that's that's why like i think that can only happen when you focus on your own bowl and like of course like keeping in check with other people but like not being like oh those people those are the bad people i'm the good people but being like oh shit being retro like the way that you said it was so retrospective of being like I recognize that those people are bad but i don't think that i was that far from that yeah. when i was younger. Well, and, and that's what i think about with so many gay issues like that dude's yeah. tweets i was like yeah i looked at my twitter and i was like i swear to god i tweeted something very similar to this oh, yeah. or close to this like, well like I, I me and my wife have been watching uh the the new reboot of queer eye mm-hmm. right and uh the first episode of the second season they go to this little teeny tiny town of like 100 people in georgia and uh and the whole it was like an older black lady her son was gay. Mm-hmm. They were like remaking, you know, doing a makeover for her, mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, and like you know, obviously it's TV. I, whatever. I, how much of it's real? How much of it isn't? Yeah. I don't really care because it, the work was done. Yeah. And like and it, you know, it was like the lady was like, yeah, you know, I used to be like she was involved in her church big time, and you know, I'm I'm a Christian, and I I there's been so many times where I, I the point was she she was like really nasty to her son when he mm-hmm. came out. And this one was like a big, like them kind of like reconciling all yeah. that stuff. Um, and it just, you know, I just, and, and I don't, none of this stuff, I don't even really believe in like it being commended necessarily because it just should be more normal mm. to be able to look at yourself. And I mean, it's like going to the gym or anything else that you do. You're just like, I wish it were more normal. I wish it, <laughs> I'd been, I wish it would have been taught to me earlier yeah. to be like, you know, look at, Look at try your best to understand who you are, yeah. why you do the things you 100%. do, and if you can start to understand why you do the good things you do and why you do the bad things that you do, you can work. You can understand it. that there that just because you do some good things doesn't mean you did it f- because you should be doing the right thing, yeah. and just because you did something bad or you have a, a you know a problematic attitude towards something doesn't mean you made a negative decision to make that happen. No, it's just like you've. You've, we all I mean everybody sometimes it's just pure ignorance yeah I mean, I, most of the time I, I think it's pure I like ignorance. that you said the gym and this is something that Jaquise if we kind of talked about on the episode that I wasn't there for because I was here but like I don't think we give enough people the chance to grow mm-hmm. and I don't think yeah. we've given a lot of people the options of growth we're going back to the Josh Nader dude I think what he did was fucking stupid I think what he did is fucking racist but I don't think he should lose his job like mm-hmm. I don't think that he should stop being a pitcher because one it doesn't give me anything yeah, and well, maybe he wasn't as apologetic, but I hope he was. I hope he was honest with his black teammates when he talked to them about it, and that like he can grow from that. And I also think about that with uh, James Gunn too, where I'm just like, yeah, he tweeted some very awful things, but are we really gonna sit here and disrespect the growth that he's had since yeah. then? Like he has changed a lot. Like yeah. 
he was front lines for like this Me Too stuff. Not saying that he deserves credit for that, but like he yeah. was like out there doing the work. He's done the work diversity wise. Like he's put women on like. And, like, I get that he said some very trash things in the past, but I like the gym analogy because, like, it's kind of like if somebody was, like, a really fit person or they're working on being fit and then somebody, like, finds this picture of them being fat. Yeah. And be like, yo, here's this picture of you being fat eight years ago. And it's like, yeah, the, yeah that I was, was eight <laughs> years ago, dude. I, I was. I then yeah. decided I don't look good and I, I need to change this. I need this. to change this. Yeah. And, like, I think we should do more to, like, respect that, man. Yeah. And, like, I want – I think that's the next level for this, like – I, I guess I have to fucking use this term <laughs> awakening that's happening mm-hmm. now yeah. is allowing room for growth and yeah. allowing a lot more restorative justice instead of this drag culture that we have yeah. by drag culture I mean like dragging people yeah, like yeah. Or, uh, uh, I think that like if we can make the rooms the moves to have like that restorative justice and being like yes this person is trash and what they did is trash how can we rehabilitate this person rather than castrate this person mm-hmm. yeah but i don't know mad people get mad when i say that shit and i uh, i get real quiet. well I, yeah i think it's I, I wonder like i mean some of it has to do with like there has to be some form of i, I don't know if there has to be but people feel a righteous anger that there needs to be some form of punitive of course th- like response to these things of but course. i think it also comes from like severe blind spots of people like dumping on these people and not realizing like while at the very same time it's like um uh i listened to your most recent episode the like friday's episode oh yeah where yeah, it's like yeah. people you know dumping on other people and not realizing that they are also, you know, like some to somebody, they're doing that same thing. One hundred percent. Not having the, and, and I think that you know your what was, your guest had said that Matthew, it was yeah. like you know people taking, um, you know being like taking some forms of oppression or hurt and putting it towards other people. Yes. But I think sometimes we think about that in a too much of a conscious way. I don't think people consciously do that at all. No. I think people just don't see the fact. I think they think they're just right. I think it's like, I'm right, this group of people sucks, and like, other people think I suck, but that hasn't, they don't see the connection in those those two things. It reminds me of this, like, and again, I'm very sorry that I'm quoting the Bible, Uh, I don't endorse Christianity whatsoever, (laughs) Uh, but like, there is this really great parable that I, I, I think about a lot, in terms of what you're saying, where there was this dude who owed the king a ton of money, and like... He, the king calls him up and says, like, all right, you owed me money. It's time for you to pay up. And the dude was just like, I'm sorry. I like made my, I did my best effort to like make this debt clear, but I can't do it. And the king's like, all right, man, I'm going to go ahead and clear you off that debt. Like, I forgive you for that debt. And then mm-hmm. the dude's yeah. like, oh, cool. And then he leaves. And then the dude runs into somebody who owes him, like, let's say, like, 200, 300 bucks. And then the dude, like, rails on that guy. He's like, hey, you owe me all this money. And he just, like, rails on him and gets mad at him. And one of the king's subjects sees that and then tells the king. So the king calls that dude back in and be like, let me get this straight. This dude over here owed you, like, 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. And you were railing on him. You were threatening him. You were being vile to him. You owed me millions. And I forgave you of that debt. How? How? And I think that that that, that's exactly what you're Mm -hmm. talking about. It's like, to him, he was just like, oh, but this dude owed me money. Like, of course, I'm going to come at him for it. But he didn't even think about the fact that he had just been forgiven for this massive debt that he just owed. Mm -hmm. This massive debt that he just owed. And I think that that is, like, so real and, like, true in how so many of these groups are, like, treating this, like, punitive justice that you're talking about. And, like, all this stuff where it's just, like, 
man, I don't know. When people were coming at Josh Nader and like all that stuff, you know, he should be fired. I'd be like, let me pull up your MySpace from 2006 <laughs> and let me see what I'll find out. Because yeah. yeah. I know at least Tila Tequila's in your top eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, you deserve to be fired for that. <laughs> you deserve to lose your job if Tila Tequila was in your top eight. Uh, but like, that's what I'm saying. It's like these people are like, and I don't know. I think that at one point a hacker is going to get really upset and just release everybody's history mm-hmm. so that everyone's on like an even playing field where everyone's like, okay, all our skeletons are out. But this punitive justice thing, man, if you go eye for an eye, the whole world's blind. Like, and I yeah. think that that's kind of what we, and again, I'm not talking about like horrible monsters like Harvey Weinstein or stuff like that. He 100% deserves to lose his power so that he can't commit acts like that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But would I kill Harvey Weinstein? Would I, if I had the, if if I had the chance to kill him, would I do that? I don't know. I don't think so because what would that what would that truly gain besides me now yeah. being a murderer and going to jail for? Well, it? and yeah, and it yeah, I I agree with you totally on that. I uh, I don't know. I, I we talk about this a lot here with the, like the the whole like uh, outrage culture thing. Mm-hmm. Or, or I, I'm not like I'm not. We talked about this last episode. I'm not a big like internet person. I don't mm-hmm. internet very often. Mm-hmm. Um, Based on how you said that sentence, I believe you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I Craigslist a lot. Okay, good. You know, good, uh, good. but uh, you know, I there's like there's most of the things that are happening where you know people are getting in trouble. Of course, like Harvey Weinstein and you know a, a, a lot of these things that are happening like are awful and absolutely people need to people need to be responsible for the things that they do wrong and mm-hmm. th- there are consequences for those things and absolutely. when you do crazy shitty stuff you get fired absolutely it happens like that's i'm, I'm with that absolutely. um but i do i wish it didn't just stop there that's my I, that's my problem i agree as <laughs> i feel like people just they get really mad and then they blast the internet with their being angry, and then someone else does something really bad, and they're like, "All right, boop, blast this guy, boop, blast that person, boop." And then and all we're like, doing is moving off racist. Like that person's yeah. still racist at the end of the day. They're just yeah. not racist with the job. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's like it. we we've left no room for the possibility of someone saying, "Hey, maybe I realized that like." I did some horrible stuff. Yeah. It was genuinely horrible. And Absolutely. nothing, no amount of apology I can do can make the things that I did less horrible. But I, I see that they're horrible, and I'm going to try not to do horrible things anymore. 1,000%. That is valuable. Because that is we've what moved the, the world conversation better. so far beyond. It's just like, all right, let's cancel this person. Now, oh my God, Trump said something about, like, called LeBron James an idiot. Like, of course yeah. he did. He's a racist. Why are we talking about this? Yeah. Like, who cares? Unimportant. Like, <laughs> he like, says something terrible every day. Yeah. We've, it, we've learned. And I don't think that liberals are willing to admit that they that this like canceling culture at times, not saying all of it, again, I think some people do deserve it. Yeah. But yeah, like totally. it empowers people like Trump. And I'll give you an example. When Hillary called what did she call Trump supporters? Deplorables. 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 Yeah. yeah. So then what did it make them do? It made them be like, Well fuck it then. If we're yeah. deplorable, we're deplorable, then we'll be Going deplorable. Hard. Yeah. Bet. Like I'll double down on it. Yep. And it's like we don't realize that we're fueling this by talking the way that we talk. And again, I'm not talking about alt-right people. I'm not talking about like these. I'm talking about factory workers. I'm talking about, and again, yeah. some people get mad at me and be like, well, they support racism and all that stuff. And be like, some of y'all don't know what you're supporting out there. Yeah. But like, uh, uh, I think that we're not willing to have the very, very difficult, rough conversation yeah. about restorative justice and the chance of growth. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, I attribute, we had uh, a friend of ours, also in the comedy world, uh, Gundo Okeo, 
Mm-hmm. She's, she's uh, my neighbor, and we've gotten to be friends over the years. And like when I guess this was a year or a little bit over a year ago, um, when it's probably yeah closer to two years ago, like the Black Lives Matters thing was like really revving up, and I had like a touch of that knee jerk thing where I was like, man, a lot of this feels so negative towards mm. me. You know, it was like, I was thinking about how it affected mm-hmm. me, and I had all these like issues with it, and. I, I called a goon up one day. I was like, yo, can we go up on the roof? And cause she's like, she's very involved in all of that, mm-hmm. uh, in the black lives matters and mm-hmm. a lot of activism and stuff. And, um, I was like, yo, can we go on the roof? And I, I kind of just need, I need your help a little bit. And we sat up on the roof, drank a few beers. And I was like, I don't get black lives matters. I'll take it a step further. Some of it even irritates me. Mm. Can you help me? Like, mm. why, why do I feel so irritated by this? Am I wrong? Like, mm. Am I, do I just have the facts wrong? And she like, and she is very involved and toward a lot of people would probably have a lot more of an aggressive response to me saying the things that I said to her. And she was like, all right, let's start from square and had a long, probably irritating conversation from her end Mm -hmm. to be like, I have to spend my whole night explaining this thing Mm -hmm. that is so much of my life to this white dude from Alabama mm. because it hurts his feelings. Mm. And she did it. I mean, she sat there and she did the work that she wasn't responsible for like fixing my ideas on those things, mm-hmm. but she did it. And it was like a huge anchoring point in me being like, Oh, I think a lot of this stuff I'm is just a result of me being raised around mostly white people. Mm-hmm. And when a big group of black folks are upset and are saying that white people are doing something, my knee-jerk reaction was to say, hey, yeah, but not me. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah you're, you're a little too loud, a 100%. little too much, a little too... 100%. And, and she did that work. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful for her to, like, to sit down and do that probably very irritating conversation for hours and just mm-hmm. be like, look, we got to like just slowly work through this. You being just having this big blind spot in but your life. I think it goes back to that Caribbean spot that you're talking about, which is like she did that because you invested. In times before you invested, sure. Where if some troll on the internet asked me, yeah, I'm not responding to him, right? Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that it's her job to do that, and I think you already said that as well, which is like she didn't have to, but she chose to because she believed in you and she yeah. trusted you. And like, I think that that's again a chance at like rather than like listening to what you just said and being like, what the fuck you just say, and like, yeah, write it now or put you on Twitter and be like, do you, can you believe my neighbor said this shit to me? It's like no. What that's going to do is cause your neighbor to shut down and never have a conversation yeah. with you again. Uh, but, like, if she could be like, all right, fine, I'll talk to you about this. And, like, do, like, you know, and, again, she doesn't have to. You could have done the work on your own as well. But yeah, for sure. you had a conversation with her. And that is a good thing. And it led to a lot of growth and stuff like that. And I think that that is something a lot of people aren't willing to admit works. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, my, my only point in that is to say that, like, I, I've, I took that to heart and have tried to apply that into my own lives with mm-hmm. folks back home who mm-hmm. are doing and saying racist things or sexist things that like that I do trust and mm-hmm. I do love mm-hmm. and I don't believe are horrible people. Mm-hmm. They are a result of some horrible aspects of white Southern culture. Mm-hmm. And like and I'm trying to like, you know, I, I just I wish there was a little bit a little bit more of the like, hey, this is terrible let's figure out how we can bridge this terrible to decent gap. Absolutely. Um, and, and maybe we can do that by talking. Maybe we can do that by saying I like, Hey, truly let's work this thing out. We can Why do, do you feel? Talking. Yeah. You know, it uh, blows my mind that Trump supporters listen to culture Kings. I'm not saying that we wait, change. Do, anything. You have a, do you have a lot, bro? They comment on, 
our iTunes all the time and be like, because we've asked it out loud, be like, yeah. do any, and like they comment, they talk, and it's like, there's a guy who's like a pretty deep conservative running for office that in Oregon that listens to our podcast and like I've talked to him on Twitter a couple of times. I mostly talk to him because I bofed him, which is very fun. Both is when you like say bofa, and the person goes, "What's bofa?" and you say, "Bofa these nuts in your mouth." <laughs> uh, and that was a very proud moment for me to bofa that yeah. guy running for office. Uh, but like. The fact Does he that he still listen, one hundred percent. It's wow. very weird. He he tweets at me and stuff like that. But like, it's very interesting that like, I think that at the end of the day, people kind of are curious and want to know. Like, yeah, even yeah. those like I you wanted so. to know. Like, you're like, I, I'm irritated by Black Lives Matter, but even still inside, you're just like, but I kind of still want to know. Yeah, like I want to know. It's like you weren't like completely like, yo, fuck that. It's a terrorist organization and shut off to it. No, maybe you were. I don't know. But no, no, it was. It was. <laughs> but just there's a, still a curiosity inside you, and yeah. I think that a lot of people aren't willing to admit that like there's a curiosity and like these Trump supporters are listening to a podcast hosted by two black people who constantly are saying fuck Trump. Yep. Because there is a curiosity. There's still a curiosity in the same way that I check Ask a Trump supporter every morning to read it because I'm still like. What's going on in their head? What's Ask yeah. a Trump supporter? It's a Reddit thread okay. where anyone can ask a Trump supporter a question. And it's mostly them. And all the questions are the same. It's all of them being like, is this it? Is this the point where you're going to walk away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this it? Yeah. And I've seen people walk away. And it's really interesting because every time they walk away, someone comes on and is like, you're a bot. You're a troll. You're not real. Mm-hmm. This is a, you've heard your account's getting hacked. And it's like, man, some of y'all are deep in this. Like, mm-hmm. Y'all have. Y'all smoked the Kool Aid. Y'all haven't even drinking it. You smoked it. <laughs> uh, but well, yeah, it's. It, I do check it because I'm like, I do want to see the thought process, and I do yeah. want to see. And it's just changed a lot. What it was before the election and what it is now has shown me that like there were some people who at the top were just like, maybe this will be a good economic choice. And those people are no longer on that Reddit. The people yeah. on that Reddit yeah. now are like those, those QAnon people. Yeah. Who are like, oh, like yeah. fucking Mueller and Trump hard. are working together. Yeah. They're, gonna get, they're getting Hillary. They're going to do it. Yep. Yeah, like, no, they're those not. those people who are like no, they're not, man. very deep in it. And like, yeah, you're fucking sick in the head. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I still check it because I'm still interested in like, um, I think was is it Sun Tzu who said know your enemy and it's like I mm-hmm. think that like we can apply that to like know your neighbor know the person who's yeah, on the other that, side of those state lines yeah that's right yeah I, I I think that's I think that is it like I think that's the problem is that everyone views anyone else as the enemy Absolutely. versus a potential ally yep which most people are like mm-hmm. they just are the most of the people that I've disagreed with the hardest I know well, I don't know, that's maybe a maybe a bit wide but mm-hmm. like. The the only thing keeping someone from doing and saying racist or sexist or bigoted things is just someone planting that nugget in their brain saying, could I be wrong about this? Absolutely. Is it mm-hmm. possible that I'm wrong? Absolutely. I'm, I'm more than willing to bet, and maybe this is very optimistic of me, so feel free to hit me up on Twitter and say, hey, you're a real fucking dumbass optimist. Again, you won't be alone. Uh, but um, I do think that a lot of these people on the internet who are being trolls and stuff like that, if they were saying it to that person's face, 
they, they couldn't no do chance. it. No. They couldn't do it. No chance. They couldn't yeah. do it. Because a lot of these things are like thought exercises almost of like just things that kind of like every big major idea that people have, whether it's like any form of government racism or something, makes like a little bit of sense in the way that you have it constructed in your head specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I listen to this it's like in the same thing. I'll listen to like these conservative dudes that are or like libertarian dudes that go on like Joe Rogan's podcast. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, what does Dave Rubin have to say? about things yeah and i'm like okay i understand what he's saying i think and then like you know even joe rogan got to this point where he's like well you need like regulation on like home builders because people will just will build it shitty and he's like no but like you know there's yelp and like so it won't happen he's like no it will because people just will do it that's why you need the regulations they'll make profit and then he said like well i just think it's an interesting thought exercise that was dave rubin's like response like, okay here we go so basically these are just ideas that you have in your head that you haven't really thought through the practicality of any of them yeah you never see them exercised so you're just like okay well like that makes it makes sense in your head that like no trump's not racist because x y and z and like i think all of the like trickle down trickle down economics is gonna work and it's good for all people because x y and z but these are all just theories you have in your head absolutely well, that don't really affect you that much yeah. say, and they yeah. often end with well even if it goes poorly you ain't you ain't, ain't touching yeah. you like if it goes poorly all. i'll be fine yeah. it's like okay yeah it's like that's yeah that's that, where all those things end i feel 100 percent. 100 percent. um well man <laughs> we got really i was like yeah. i wonder which way this episode is gonna go because yeah. like sometimes our episodes are very dumb and mm-hmm. we don't talk about anything and sometimes we talk about lots of things hey, and if today you guys wanted the knock knock jokes get jakees on yeah <laughs> <laughs> did you hear that jakees yeah <laughs> he's not listening yeah uh, well i'll tell you uh first of all thank you oh thank yeah you, thank absolutely, you, thank you. absolutely uh, really absolutely. appreciate you coming on the show yeah um and Tell us. So you're you're in New York indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Are you doing any performing while you're here? No, not really. I haven't I haven't been able to crack into any performing. But if I do, I will definitely let you guys know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I haven't been able to crack that yet. I mostly uh, go home after work and watch my aunts watch Haitian YouTube videos. Uh, it's uh, very. Yeah, that's what I do in my house. Oh, yeah. bro. Oh, yeah. great, great, great. So you guys yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very depressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Maybe I'll have some shows. I don't know. Yeah. I usually go. I'm starting to see why people watch Big Bang Theory after work. Like it makes sense to me. <laughs> just your brain. You're just yeah. so tired. Turn you're just like, brain off. I don't care. Yeah. What is this? A show where four people are on a chair singing and one person can knock them off the chair by singing better than that person? Great. Sure. I'll yeah. watch this for three hours. <laughs> yeah. It's what the TBS break room is for. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just mindless entertainment. Yep. Um. Edgar, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any? Uh, do you want to plug your your social medias? And oh stuff? yeah, check me out on Twitter at Edgar Mopazier. Check me out on Instagram at Awfulgram. Please watch Sad Boy Edgar. Uh, retweet it or share it or whatever you can with it. Yeah. Where where do we watch that? Uh, all the episodes should be up on Vimeo at Sad Boy Edgar. Like Sweet. just search Sad Boy Edgar on Vimeo and you'll find them and share them. Share them around. Awesome. Yeah. Um, this has been the the Fire Escape. You can find us on all the things at Firescape Pod. You can find me at Culture Levi on the the two different social medias that exist. Uh, you already know I don't do the tweeter. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't tweeter, but I do Instagram. You can do that at Buttermilk underscore Pete. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, does uh, this is this is a 
probably this probably definitely happened in in either elementary or middle school mm-hmm. or high school. Did, has anybody ever called you Edgar Mom Pleaser? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. I figured 100%. it had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah it's I figured that's uh, the obvious. That's like, what I go-to. tell bartenders to get my card back whenever I put it. I'm <laughs> telling Mom Pleaser. Yeah, I'm saying, yeah. hey, I'm like Mom Pleaser. Like, huh? I'm like Mom Pleaser. Like, oh, I know exactly where your card is. Yeah. And they go and they give it back. Yeah. Do you raise your eyebrows when you say that? Yeah, I go, or I go, Mom do this, Pleaser. Man? <laughs> and then I wink at them, yeah. and they get very, they feel very weird. Yep. You got a mom? You got a mom? I've I pleased you, her. Something yeah. tells me you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something tells me you might have. Oh, dude. All well, right, thanks everybody. For coming oh, yeah, on, absolutely. Man. Really man, appreciate absolutely. you. Absolutely. Bye. Thanks for listening, y'all. got i mean the beer we got drank pretty good don't it the days are getting shorter and you can feel it in the air yes it's that time of year pumpkin is finally back at duncan it's the cozy you've been craving all summer long now in your cup at duncan pick up all of your pumpkin favorites like the signature pumpkin spice ice latte or a pumpkin ice coffee and bakery items like pumpkin donuts and muffins sip into something comfortable to celebrate the start of cozy season Use the Duncan app for contactless ordering. America runs on Duncan. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit and full plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. See T-Mobile.com.